Welcome to episode 10 of The Jersey Boys. Hey everybody, this is Ronnie A here with Joey the Rash. Silva! Joey! Here I am, Ronnie. That right almost sounded like a boxing side. intro, huh? A little bit? I know. A little bit. I like to mix them up with you, you know what I mean? Where's the card? Change you know, them up. Round 10. She's coming downstairs soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding, man. I'm just and kidding, And she is Laura. a 10. <laughs> round 10, buy a 10. Bingo. How you doing? Nice. How you doing? So, I'm doing great, bro. Hey, producer, how you doing? Awesome. Awesome. Whoa, that was a little light. <laughs> what? Well, listen. Come on, give me a, a listen, good awesome, we, yeah, we man. Record, awesome. We record at night. It's a little bit late. He's you tired. Know, this this guy. took us a while. I'm almost 50. And, but, oh, oh, that's old. Joe, who else is? Not me. No. No. No, 25. No, no, actually, I'm in my 51st year now. That's Oh, very true. You see? Very I'm true. I'm in my 51st year. True. Yeah, brother. Yep. Moving on up. So what do we got, Joe? Episode 10. Last week, episode 9 was a really cool episode, right? Yes, we it was. Uh, We was had fun. Antonella Jancarelli on talking about giving to the homeless. So, you know, guys, if you missed that show, we just want to kind of remind you a little bit about it. Um, you know, this Antonella, she's 10 years old. She had an idea that she wanted to... Uh, help the homeless. And so she's collecting all kinds of stuff for them. And we got three locations, 142 Newark Ave in Jersey City, 360 Franklin Ave in Wyckoff, and 1450 Route 23 in Butler, all in New Jersey. Uh, if you don't know the zip codes, uh, it's called Google. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> what, what would we do without Google? That's my best buddy. I'm telling you. That's my, all right. Quick story, uh, king of stories. I get a lead today, and I'm and I we connect right. And the kid he wants to buy a house, and we start talking. And uh, the kid wants the kid. to buy a house. They're yeah. getting younger and younger, I guess. Buying homes. What's going on here? Uh, honestly, he, he did. He did. He sounded very young. Still actually. got zits all over his face and everything. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't. Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but he works for Google. Him and his wife both work for Google. So I make a joke. I you go, so bro, what? I go, what do you do? You go to work in a bathing suit, flip-flops, and a white T-shirt? And I start laughing. He goes, eh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> like, straight up, bro. This is how this kid goes to work. Unbelievable. But, yeah, we love we love our Google people. So, anyway, Antonella Jancarelli, great thing that she's doing. Everybody, we would love those, uh, those contributions and donations to help the homeless. Take a look at Episode 9. Find us on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, our website, www.thejerseyboys.com. Wait a minute, did we say YouTube, too? And... YouTube. YouTube, Joe. YouTube. That's right, kid. More can, and more. You can I can't, see I'm us on the YouTube. That's but, why, right? You can actually see us. Not all of them. Us. Only the one so far, uh, right? Yeah, but you can see us. That's what I'm saying. Thanks you can the logo. see us. You can see us. And that's the Jersey Boys. That's us. We're that's real us. people. So speaking of YouTube, Joe, great segue. Yes. Because you are the segwayer of all segwayers. Is that a word? Segwayer? It is now. Hey! And Mr. Encyclopedia at it. It could have been one of our words of the week, you know? <laughs> it might Segway. be. The segwayer. So we got coming up on, let me see, it's December 11th. Is that the day to show? Yeah, that's when we're going to, that's when it's going to go live. So on December 11th, we want to tell everybody that's going to be the next video at Tommy's Taste of Italy. Ooh, oh, and that's going to be a carb day, right? We can oh. eat like crazy on Gavones. that day. Gavones. I can't wait, bro. But I just want to remind everybody to watch that. It's going to be exciting. Watch me eat, all right? Watch Joey eat. You know, 
Hey, Alex, you're gonna be on. You're gonna be on that one. Oh, yeah. People are gonna be watching you eat too. You have a little That's espresso all I know. too afterwards. Oh, I think you're espresso. I can't wait. I can't wait. Honestly, honest, I'm so excited about that show. I guess because I'm gonna be eating like I got home, but still, I'm excited about it. <laughs> it's gonna be good. So I got Oli. Got all. Got all. See now right. we go back to our other ones, right? Yep. Our words, our pronunciations, the C's become yep. a G. Tommy's gonna love it. Tommy's a Brooklyn boy, I think. I think originally. Yeah. So, How about some uh, we'll Schweidel? Schweidel. There you go. I love that. Oh, man. See how excited we get? I should be a fat guy. I really should, because I love well, if, food. if anything. I'm fat inside. <laughs> hey, listen, how about this? We have a bakery, the Jersey Boys. You want the to do bakery. it? The bakery. The next right? business venture. Hey, everybody, thanks for going to the show. We got to leave. We have a new business to go into. <laughs> We're doing the bakery The bakers. The bakers. <laughs> the bakers. Rise up early in the morning. Time to make, you name it. Rise up. Interesting, right? Baker, Baker. bread, rise. Joe, you're good, bro. You're good. Bro, you're on video. Now I got to cut it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, oh, they don't need to. I didn't know that. Hello. How you doing over there? Hi, Marianne. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Speaking of speaking of Marianne, we know we, we got our music and we like it. Yes. Did we uh, did we work on new music for Lori? Because uh, she doesn't like her music. Yeah. We're composing? Yeah. I'm telling I, I wish we yeah. could get Jaws, the theme from Jaws. Listen, well, but it's right. Let's just roll the dice. Let's just use the music. And if they come after us, we'll figure something out. We got people. That's can't right. get blood. We got connections. Can't get blood from a stone. We ain't got no money yet out of this thing. But How do why you not? know? Oh, Our audience, like they that. probably think that we're rolling in it, right? We are rolling with in all it. this popularity with this podcast. So it's funny because Kurt Wubenhurst, yes, Wubenhurst, he said he goes, "What's wrong with you? Why don't you just come to me?" So actually, we might have to do that. So Kurt, listen, because um, I know you're listening. The bottom line is, we need to come up with something like that. So it's it's, but it's a mix. Yeah. Like it's the Jaws theme for Lori because like she'll bite your head off if you give her you know a reason to. Um, but then she's also the Jersey girl, so you got to have a little bit of that. Groove in there too. So the there's swagger. Be, uh, she's got the swagger, the Jersey swagger. Yeah. So she's got the moves like Jagger. So there we got to figure go. out how to do that, man. Beautiful. You know, we got to mix that up. So Kurt Wubenhurst, you've just been commissioned. Make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> Last week's. Wow. <laughs> so spell it. You know what, Joe? Here's the deal. Let's not spell it yet because I came up with a great idea. Because I'm such a genius. Yeah. Far from it. Anyway, I happened to be on a phone with my boy, Chris Miliotis. He oh, actually yes. texted me about the show because he loved it, and he obviously heard us mention it last right. week. And I said, hey, how cool would it be to have a real Greek pronounce this word? Greek. Greek. So we're going to have Chris call in, and uh, we'll have him... Uh, We'll have him pronounce the word. That you know, at that point in time, I want to hear you spell the word. It's going to take you a long time. It's four whole letters in this one. <laughs> I'm sweating. All right, let's get Chris on the line right now. Hello. <clears throat> oh, Miliotis, Uncle Georgia. What's up? What up, kid? What's up, Chris? You What's got uh, Joey the Rash and Ronnie A here, the Jersey Boys. How you doing, kid? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, man. I got a little nervous because I sent you a text. I wanted you to, uh, you know. Phone's ringing. Yeah, and, and I was a little Phone's nervous. I'm like, up. he's sleeping. Where are you sleeping, bro? Oh, we're here. We're All here, right. We're here. They're ready to rock. So, Chris, we just I just, I just told everybody, you know, about last week's show, and I said, man, how cool would it be to have a real Greek come on and tell us how to pronounce this week's 
Word of the Week. Joe, could you do me a favor? Could you spell it? Or do I have to spell it? You have to spell it. What, G-Y-R-O? That's it. I tell you good, I man. am smart. You are good. G-Y-R-O. Miliotis, the one and only Greek, tell us, how do you say that word? Coming from Miliotis, the Greek, you got Euro. Ooh. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Americans with, with the Euro. <laughs> Not the incorrect American way, gyro. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Matacan way, the Matacan so way. So I got to tell everybody, me and Chris used to work together, right? We used to write mortgages together yep. for a company. And his uh, his cousin, Mark Demetrio, another yep. Greek, is still there. I and think he's so. The branch manager. Name, yeah, Demetrio, right? you would know it, right? Miliotis. So Chris is the one who taught me how to say I never even knew the right way to say this word. I, gyro, that's it. And I think he, I don't know if he smacked me, punched me, kicked me, but he got me good. <laughs> yep. He's like, don't you ever. Never say it like that again. He schooled me. So, Chris, I noticed, too, you got a little bit of a little trill in the R there. Say it again. Yeah, bro. You got to get that little going. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. like you did in one of your episodes, Joey. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Not here. Yeah, bro. Chris, the G is a Y? As a Y, yeah. It's a Y. Almost no G. Almost no G. Almost no G. Yero. 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 There you go. I love it. There you go. You got it now. Chris, from coming from a Greek, if I'm in Jersey, where's the best Yero? You want to go to a store or you want to go to Mayaya's, my grandmother's house, you're going to get the best. <laughs> I knew he was going to say not, that. But you, wait, you, you, what do you call your grandmother? Yeah, yeah. My yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, yes, I think it's probably a good idea to let her know that the Jersey boys are coming for a home cooked I think that's fantastic. But I don't think she could take everybody. So if we had to go to a store, where would it be? But I'm going to Yaya's. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably not there, but there was a place in downtown Bergenfield. Oh, oh the Bears. In uh, downtown Bergenfield, Washington Avenue. Downtown Bergenfield. On yeah, the, right on the main Avenue? The, I don't remember the name, but it was right off the main avenue. Interesting. <laughs> I, grew up, I grew up in Haworth, two towns over, and it was amazing. So check that out. So, Chris, you just said you grew up in Haworth. Now, I find that funny because Chris is a Jersey boy, right? But I grew up, I lived in Bergenfield, ironically, as he's talking about, until I was 10 before we moved up here, right? But I don't say Haworth. I say Hallworth. Yeah, That's Hallworth. funny. That's Hallworth. I, I would say it that way, too. Hallworth. Hallworth. Yeah. Hallworth. Chris says Haworth. I would almost make fun of that, but I can't because you're a guest on our show right now. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can do it when he hangs up. <laughs> Maybe it's because he's been down in Georgia so long. Nah, he always said that. Yeah. He always said that, and I always, I always caught it. I'm like, wow, he says it differently. Maybe it's a Greek thing. Who knows? Greek, the Greek, Greek. No, come on, it's been, it's been almost 11 years I've been here. I can't I believe I that, bro. My, I think I lost a little of my accent, but I always told Ronnie and everybody else, I'm never saying y'all. <laughs> never saying y'all. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't no do way. it. Don't do it. No way. Hey, Miliotis, we're going to get on with the show. Bro, I love you for taking the time out tonight to uh, school everybody on how to say yiro. Let's hear it one more time. One more time. Give it to me. Yiro. From yes. the Greek. Awesome. All right, Chris. Later, Thanks buddy. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Thank Take care. Ronnie Thanks for Ron. listening. Joey the Rash. Thanks, guys. All right, you got brother. It, brother. Ciao. 
Adios. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, we got a very special guest tonight on the Jersey Boy podcast, and that is Todd Blylevin. Now, Blylevin. Todd, I met Todd about five years ago um, through a mutual friend of ours, Michael Franzese. Ronnie, oh, we yeah. both know Michael. Yep. And um, I was out in California. Todd was Michael Jr., Michael Franzese's son. Mm-hmm. It was his pitching coach. Uh, Mike Jr. Uh, That's right. Some know this, but he was a very good baseball player, and he actually had a tryout with the New York Mets. And his pitching coach was Todd Blylevin. Well, who's Todd Blylevin? Well, Todd is the son of Hall of Famer Burt Blylevin. Right on. Who was with several uh, professional baseball teams? Um, Minnesota Twins. Most people know him from the Twins. Right. He was with the Rangers, the Pirates back in the day when they won the World Series. We are family. We are family, right? That's we, right. Stargell and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Then with the Cleveland Indians, Minnesota Twins again, and then back to the Angels. He played with the Angels. Right. Actually, he played with the Angels at the end of his career. So. And he won uh, the World Series with the Twins with as the well, twins, right? Twins. Yep. So okay. Kirby Puckett was on that team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, with the Pirates and the Twins. Uh, now he's uh, with the Minnesota Twins doing the commentating. Right. So you he's know. a commentator for the Twins. And I read up, he's also a commentator for Fox Sports yeah, North, right? Yeah, he does that too. Yeah. So, uh, so that's Todd's dad, Hall of Famer Burt Blylevin. But Todd was in the pros, uh, in the minor league system for about seven years. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, he went into scouting for the Major League Baseball clubs, a couple of different clubs. I think the Rockies was one of them, and the Rangers as well, and maybe the Angels too, I believe, yep. uh, he he did some scouting for. But um, yeah, so he uh, had a great career, moved on to scouting, and then uh, opened up um, a training facility out in California. And now he and his wife and kids are in uh, the Dallas area in Texas. Very nice. So we'll uh, learn more about Todd when... Um, he calls in, and uh, we'll go from there. So I, I noticed, Joe, when he was a scout, um, one of the biggest names that he signed, and again, I use the word signed, obviously that must have meant that either he discovered him or you know, did the research on it and brought it to the team, was uh, Troy Tulowitzki. Yeah. So it's a big name in baseball. Yep. You know what I mean? What a cool job. Yeah. And right? We can ask him about that, too. Definitely. Definitely. I'm looking forward to talking to Mr. Blylevin. Right. Well, let's get him on. All right, so we have Todd Blylevin on. Todd just called in. So, Todd, thank you so much for calling in to the Jersey Boy, the Jersey Boy podcast here with Joey Darash and Ronnie A. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so uh, I, I told uh, Ronnie and, and uh, our listening audience uh, a little bit about your background and how we met and, uh, you know, who your dad is and what you've done uh in the minor league system and scouting and everything else. So I know Ronnie Ronnie had a question for you. I got a couple of questions after yeah. the research, but the first one was, and I found it ironic that when uh, when we met tonight to, to you know talk about what we're going to do with the show, Joey and I both looked at each other and we said, oh my goodness, he played in Lynchburg. And Joey said, Ronnie, I never even knew that before either until yeah. I did the research. And the reason that's so important to us is because Joey's a graduate of Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, and now oh. and now all of our kids are there. Right. So we're there we're there all the time. Well, yeah, and, and Todd, you don't know this, but my wife, my wife Marianne, that's where I met my wife down at Lynchburg, Virginia, and both of her parents are professors uh, at Liberty University. So 
when I was in high school, my high school, wow. my high school football coach, he was the one who turned me on to Liberty. And he said to me, you're going to go down to this school and you're going to meet your wife. So I'm like, all right, coach, yeah, whatever. I'm 17 years old. I'm like, yeah, yeah that, that sounds good. Whatever, coach. So sure enough, he was right. When I, when I was 22 years old, I think it was, uh, I, I met my wife, wife to be in, in Lynchburg, Virginia. So, um, you know who else played down there? Daryl Strawberry. Strawberry yep. played for that yep. team at one point okay. as well. So okay. I don't know who else played in that system, but Todd Blylevin was two and one with a save and a two point oh nine ERA while playing with the Lynchburg Lynchburg Hillcats. Hillcats. How was that experience for Lynchburg, you? Uh, well, Lynchburg is was such a great town, and uh, just like you know any minor league town, it's well supported, and the fans and the community are just amazing people and. Um, real grassroots, you know, true Americans that just come out to watch the watch uh, young men trying to achieve their goals yeah. and, and their dreams. And uh, Liberty, Liberty was actually a really cool place to go hang out, um, especially after a game or on a day off, because uh, there were some pretty cool little pubs they had around there. Um, go play some pool or throw some darts. And yeah. I remember, yeah, spending a couple nights down there. But um, yeah. Hey, Joe, you should have asked uh, your coach what the lottery numbers were, too, because he was right about you meeting your wife. I know, right? Exactly. Hey, but you know, another interesting thing about um, Lynchburg, there's a connection, too, because your dad, right, he played with the uh, Pirates, and and they won the World Series. Um, After that time frame, I don't know, I guess in the 80s when um, Sid Bream, Sid Bream mm-hmm. played for the Pirates and then, and then went on to play for the Braves as well. But when he was with the Pirates, you know, he's a graduate of Liberty University, Sid Bream. So he mm. went to Liberty University, and I know his brother, Sheldon Bream, who's married to Shannon Bream, who's on Fox News now. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so there's a connection, oh, no a connection for you because of the Pirates and your dad. And I know you spent a lot of time when you were a youngster, right, um, you know, going to yep. uh, Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, what's interesting is uh, in 1979 when the Pirates won the World Series, um, I was the bat boy that whole series. In fact, I skipped school that whole year and basically was homeschooled through a Major League Baseball program. And I got a chance to travel around with the team from spring training in Florida all the way to the end of the World Series. And uh, one of the pitchers on that team was Jim Bibby. and. Jim Bibby ended up being my pitching coach while I was in Lynchburg with the Hillcats. No. And our man- our manager at the time was Jeff Bannister, which is a manager of the Rangers now. Wow. Yep. Yeah, so, I read that. The ban- that Bannister yeah. was manager then, yeah. See, that? So, see, you're connected with us. I'm connected to Lynchburg, Virginia. Ronnie is. You are now. we got to get Alex in the, in the mix here now. Alex, our producer, has no connection to uh, Liberty in <laughs> we'll Lynchburg, get him. Virginia. We'll got to get him in there. I, I got another question yeah. real quick for, uh, for Todd. So, Todd. I noticed in the research that you went into scouting, and during that time yep. while you were scouting, you were with the Rockies for seven years, right, mm-hmm. from 2000 to 2007. Uh, so I started with the Angels in 2000 and joined the Rockies in 2003. Okay. And my last season with the Rockies was, uh, yeah, 2008. 2008. So, did you yep. – um, was there a lot of interaction with you between coaches and players and things of that nature, nature like that? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it uh, because of my background, um, I always had interaction with with all the players and coaches and baseball operations, my only coordinators, the staff, um, not just in the scouting department. Okay, did you did you know? Did you did you pal around with? Did you know Mark Strip Matter? God, the name sounds familiar. Um, not, uh, it's not. Uh, I can't see a face, but uh, yeah, the name sounds familiar, and 
you know, in baseball, there's so many people that you come across, and especially in the in the scouting industry or baseball operations. But uh, yeah, it sounds familiar. So Mark had a similar past to you. He, uh, you know, he was in the minor leagues for a long time, and uh, yep. he, he was a catcher. And uh, eventually, he made it up for like I think he I think he made it up for like two games with Colorado in the bigs, and he ended up becoming wow. the bullpen catcher. And then from there, he became like a coach in the bullpen. And to date, I believe Mark Stripmatter is the longest tenured Colorado Rocky, and he's a Jersey boy. Yeah, he's from oh, Ridgewood. Wow! So Jersey I figured I'd, I'd, I'd see go. if you knew him. That's yeah. all. That's all. And you know, and, and listen, I'm sure if our paths cross that we recognize each other. Yeah, maybe. sure, maybe, sure. And yeah. and uh, yeah. I had I had mentioned uh, Todd before you called in uh, that uh, our mutual friend is uh, Michael Franzese, and that's how I met you. I guess going on about mm-hmm. five, maybe five years ago, and I know you were um, Mike Junior's pitching coach, and you've helped him. Um, and then you and I uh, got to know each other, and we've stayed, uh, you know, good friends since that time. And um, I, I told yep. Ronnie and our producer Alex here all about you, and uh, I told him about our conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago about something that um, that you experienced back on October first, um, the tragic events of Las Vegas. So uh, we wanted mm-hmm. to, um, you know, hear a little bit about that evening um, and what you experienced. So maybe you could uh, tell our, our listening audience uh, what you were doing in Vegas and what happened that evening. Well, uh, obviously, it's a um, tough thing to talk about, but it's, uh, you know, we, my wife and I and about 18 other uh, family members, uh, friends, uh, kind of a group from Texas, a group from California, just a large party. We had, we had really met there the last three years going to that venue, and um, it's a three-day country concert. Uh, it's country music. It's it's uh, a lot of fun. And you feel very safe. A lot of the people in the venue are very friendly. Um, you're basically going to just have some beers and hang out with your wife and and, uh, and enjoy some music. And uh, you, know, you, you hardly ever see um, you know really any controversy or aggressiveness from the crowd. And uh, it's usually the girls trying to get up as close to the stage as possible to see the country singers shake their butts. I mean that's <laughs> kind of the extent of it, you know. And and um, what is it? What so, is that? What is that know, festival called? What is yeah. they, What do they call that? So that, that's the Route 91 Harvest Festival. Okay. And uh, uh, and so um, you know on that. Uh, we, we had been there that, that weekend and it just had a blast. I mean, that whole weekend was going just crazy, amazing, awesome. Uh, we were, everybody was just having a great time and, and, um, it came down to the last performer, Jason Aldean was, uh, getting ready to take the stage. And typically on the last performer over the past few years, we've always split up and the girls have always kind of rushed the stage and tried to get as close as they could to see that final performer, the headliner, uh, perform. And then all the guys would veer off to the right side of the stage. But this time, for whatever reason, we all decided to stay together and we were just behind the main crowd, uh, dead center in the stage, um, but but just behind the main body of, of where everybody was shoulder to shoulder and wall to wall and 
uh, you know, it, it was a good enough little area where we were at because we were actually able to dance around a little bit. And uh, that's what I happened to be doing with a, a niece of mine. I call her my niece. I've known her since she was about 10, 11 years old. And, um, and you know, we're just having a great time. I mean, it's it's dark. It's you got country music. Everybody's just having a blast. Everybody's smiling. We're taking selfies and, and video of each other. And, uh, and, you know, the next thing you know, at the end of one of the songs, uh, you start hearing these pop, pop, pop sounds. And uh, it sounded like a long-range gunfire. And um, you sure you, you weren't certain exactly what it was, but you could hear that echoing and that thud. Um, mm. And so it just kind of got your you on to a heightened alert stage and uh and then um the the next song had started and about five ten seconds into the song all of a sudden you hear this barrage of automatic weapon gunfire just coming down on you and you know at first you're you look off towards the right towards uh mandalay bay and you're thinking maybe it's a maybe it's a drive-by maybe it's someone down uh past mandalay bay and we're just hearing the echoing because you know vegas is in a desert um you, you don't you don't think at all at all where you're at that there's somebody up in a room shooting at you the the thought just doesn't even cross your mind but you're you're in this heightened awareness of now i know where that gunfire is coming from it's to my right side um and then once that second barrage of gunfire started about 10 it was about a 10 second delay um that's when you could hear people screaming and Jason Aldean, the lights went out. Jason Aldean runs off the stage. Everybody gets down on a knee or down to the ground. And, uh, you know, and there you are. And so I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine the most important person in your life right now, whether it be your wife or your mom or your girlfriend or whatever it may be, your brother or anyone, and imagine that most important person in your life and that person sitting right in front of you, five, you know, five Five feet away, three feet away, and you're hearing people that are 10 feet away getting hit with bullets. Wow. And your main objective is to get that person out of that venue as quickly as possible and shield them with every bit of flesh that you have to ensure that they get out of that, that place safely. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. And, you know, so we went down and uh, I had my brother-in-law to my right. My wife was right in front of me. My sister-in-law was to my right. And I told everybody, all the kids were down. I said, you know, get ready, focus, focus, focus. Let's get up. Let's run, run, run. And by the time that second round had stopped, we were one step out and, and all had been turned and started to run um, east. And uh, at that time, a lot of our group had separated and some went uh, north towards the back of the, the venue. There was an exit point west going towards Mandalay Bay. Um, I had seen some muzzle flash coming from Mandalay Bay, so I knew I wanted to run as far away from the bullets as possible. And so... Uh, you know, we start running and I've got my brother-in-law and my wife and my sister-in-law in front of me. And you're just trying to run as big as possible. And that third round had started that automatic gunfire. And, you know, I didn't realize this until about my fourth therapy session that uh, I remember this feeling of, Every time my my boot would leave the ground, I didn't know if it was going to come back and touch it. Wow! And 
uh, and you're just trying to run as big as you can and as arms as wide as you can. So you're protecting those in front of you. And that's right. all you're trying to do. But you don't, you know, for 20, 30 steps, I thought I was a goner. Okay. And, um, and so the main, the main objective was just try to get to this. Uh, it was a Budweiser booth and we we're just trying to get to that booth because it was some sort of coverage. And so by the time we got there, um, we were, there was already, there had already been a girl down on the ground and she was bleeding. And I noticed a, a, uh, a gate that was open, uh, direct about 15 yards to our left and with two cop cars on the outside. So we get up and we run to that and we get behind those cop cars and the third, third round had stopped by that time and there was already a girl that had been shot over there an officer had been shot in the foot at that point and now you look behind you and all you're in you're in basically survival mode of just trying to get out of that venue and what's your next exit point and so you turn real quick and there's four cop cars directly behind you down a street called Giles Street which is on the east side of the venue and so you start running down Giles Street towards Tropicana casino and i looked off to my left and i saw a guy carrying a girl a girl that reminded me of my niece it's about 21 years old mm. wearing you know shorts and a little tank top and and brown hair and and he was carrying her like a pair, pair of scissors doing whatever he could to get her out mm. and so i ran over and i helped him you know lay her down and i don't think she made it and i ran back and and you know at that point i just knew i knew i had to go back and that's and when you, that's I when you my, said your wife right that i'm going back in and yeah yep yep and uh and i, I told my brother-in-law i said you know you need to you need to take my wife and your sister and your wife and you need to head keep heading away from the bullets and then just run northeast and and i'm going to go back in and of course they didn't want me to but uh but i just felt like i had to and um and uh, you know, I, I saw some clarity in my brother-in-law's eyes, and I—he was in now a protective mode, and I felt comfortable with my wife and where we were at, and where we were safe. And I heard sirens in the distance, so I knew that in my heart something told me that they were going to be okay. Yeah. And I knew that in my heart that I had the ability to go back in and and pull people out, and and that's what I did. And you know, I turned around and and I ran back in. And uh, there was a big uh, kind of delay between the third and fourth uh, round of gunfire, and um, or maybe it was a fourth and fifth, but there was a big delay. And so, you know, part of there's parts that I don't remember, but I, I remember running in right away. And there was an elderly woman. You know, and he, this is I mean, now you imagine yourself being in a grocery store and you're just seeing normal people, normal people, just average everyday, not soldiers, not anybody that you would ever imagine being in a in the middle of a turf war or anything else. But these are normal people, you know, just citizens. And, uh, and this woman was shot in the side. And so you're running over to her and you're picking her up. And another gentleman came over and he helped me and we carried her over to the police cars. And as I'm getting ready to go back in now, um, because I don't know, I'm not, I don't have a medical background. So I, I'm just trying to grab people and pull them out. And there was this young, there was this about five foot two blonde hair, maybe mid forties, late fifties or whatever, AIDS woman and she comes out and she says, I'm an RN nurse. What can I do? And I said, you need to turn around. You need to put your hands on those people. You got two, two injured women, women down, and you got a police officer shot in the foot. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to keep going in and grabbing people. And, and that's, that's basically what it was. And, 
you know, you're running back and forth and you're bringing people out. And, you know, at one point uh, there was a, another girl that was down on the ground and, uh, you know, and, and I picked her up and you throw her over your shoulder and, and you run her out and you lay her down as gently as possible. And she's gone. Um, I mean, she's just, she's, she's gone. Yeah. And that's something you're and, never going to you know, forget. Could, you had told me that, you know, when you no, had no. that experience, it's like you, you, yeah. you, you just recall that in your mind, you see her, you know, you see her in your head, right? Yeah, there yeah, I'll never I'll never forget that touch of her her arm and the softness of that wrist and the hand and everything just kind of laying it down and I tried to be as gentle as I could and you know and then you're running out and and now you're trying to uh, at this time some of the trucks were were being kind of commandeered from the parking lot and and uh and people were you know loading injured like critically injured in the backs of pickup trucks and so you're helping with getting those and what was amazing at that moment in time of total terror and the gunfire is still going off wow. it's still it's still happening at, at that moment how, though, how long did that last were, how long did the gun it, it, shots it was go? about i think they said it was about 12 minutes it seemed like it was a half hour but Realistically, you know, about 15 minutes or so. And Todd, how many people were inside there during the concert? 22,000. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And, you know, I'm surprised that there weren't more people, like, just stepping on top of each other, like, like, uh, you know, just running over each other. There were? A lot of that? Yeah, there there was. Yeah, there were a lot of people that got trampled. Um, There was something like... I, I don't even know what the exact numbers are. Six hundred people that were injured, and you know, uh, some of those were were because they, you know, they're broken ribs and 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 just get trampled down over. And they got trampled on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was mass chaos. And I, uh, you know, you're running in and and you're in the middle of the field, and and people are coming in with wheelbarrows because there was a construction site on Giles Street, and you're you're loading you're loading people into a wheelbarrow, no. and you're running people out. These these beautiful young ladies that are just all shot up, and you're running them out, trying to get them to to some sort of of, of person that can that can help save their life. Yeah. And the amount of people every time that I went back in and I came out, the, the, the amount of people that had hands on people, the volunteers, the people that turned around, yeah. the, the firefighters, the paramedics, uh, I mean, the police, everybody that was off duty because first responders weren't there yet that were on duty. Right. But it was a country concert. So you're talking about a lot of people that were in the military and were wind fire medical uh, fields. And, and they were just everybody was down on the ground trying to save people. And um, it was the best of America. Never the best forget. of America, right? Showed it, up that It night. really was. It really was. In tragedy. The, the, good in, the good in mankind. You know, you watch it. Um, you know, unfortunately, like where you guys are at with with nine eleven. I mean, I remember my wife and I. Uh, you know, we were dating at the time, and and uh, we were watching the same program on TV when 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 you know that tragedy happened. Yeah. And um, and you think, you know, your heart sinks, and you you feel helpless on the other side of that. Now, I'm gonna, we're in California, and that's happening in New York, and you're just like, oh my God, those poor people. You know what? Who would do this and, and why? And, and you're seeing the tragedy and, and to be there amongst that live when it's happening, it's the most scariest 
most tragic thing I've ever been around, and I pray to God nobody else has to go through it. But in that light of terror and tragedy, there was good, and there was there was there were people that didn't matter what color of skin you were, didn't matter what language you spoke or what your political beliefs were, they were going to help you, and it didn't matter. And I was going in, and I was going to carry whoever it was out that needed to be carried out, and it just that was. That was that mentality of let's just get you know as many people out as we could and you know I had a I had a dream the other night uh, it was about a, uh, say about a week and a half ago or so and it was I was running in I've had nightmares since but um, uh, I had this one dream in particular where um, yeah you know, I was running in and bullets were running you know being spread to my left and so I hide behind this pole and now there's bullets coming to my right and this big being comes sweeping behind me and it was an angel and he spread his wings and he was blocking bullets and it allowed me to follow him more into the venue and I grabbed someone on the ground and I carried them out with this angel behind me and that was the sense of of feeling that I got was there was something there protecting those that went back in to try to help I'm surprised I didn't get shot but um, I'm thankful to God that I did not. Well, we talked about that, that, Todd. We talked about that. You and I had yeah. a, a two-hour conversation, and uh, yeah. listen, God God used you that night, and uh, I know he has big plans for you moving forward. So, I mean, his angels definitely, you know, were there that night helping and, and uh, you know, definitely was there to protect you that night to help lots of people. It's an amazing story, Todd. I mean, it's just, it's funny because, Joey, you told me this story, but when you hear it, when you hear from the horse's mouth, it's yeah, it's right, yeah. right? Uh, Alex too. Well, it, it it didn't end there. I mean, that's that's the that's what people don't understand is it, it just didn't end when the gunfire stopped. Yep. It because you're hearing misreports of there's gunfire at Bellagio, there's gunfire at Tropicana, there's you know there's people in trucks driving down Vegas Boulevard shooting people on the sides. There's a bomb at Luxor. I mean, you're hearing all these yeah. mixed reports of all these things going on. And so, about my seventh or eighth time going in, I ended up. Uh, there was this guy that kept going with me, and he was a off-duty Las Vegas um, uh, EMT, and um, and he had a couple friends. And all of a sudden, we hear that they're shooting at Tropicana. So th- there was nothing else that we could have done at that moment at the venue. This was probably around almost midnight, so it was a good hour and a half or so after the shooting had been done, and we're trying to get as many people out. But we we sprint over to Tropicana because there's a shooter there, and we're hearing people are going down there. And so now here you are. And I know I remember I'm running across the parking lot thinking, what am I doing? But (laughs) your legs just keep moving forward, you know, and you're just and so you get to the back of the yeah, you get to the back of Tropicana and and now there's ambulances there and you're loading people up in the ambulances and then a cop comes up and says, Hey, there's a potential shooter up on the roof, we need to get everybody inside and now you're going down the now you're in this long corridor, about hundred and fifty people packed in side by side and you feel like you're this protector of you and three other guys are are just making sure everybody's safe and you're, you're trying to protect everybody and you're barreling through service doors trying to find a shooter and you're looking at your hands going, I guess, I mean, I'm going to throw my body on them. I'm going to do whatever I can to, to protect the mass. Um, but it was mass chaos. I mean, it was, everybody was scared to death. Uh, there were people huddling up on, t- you know, I, I barreled through one door. It was a refrigeration door. And, you know, there were six people all like just stacked on top of each other 
on the corner yeah. and just screaming. How about and, the time you know, that you, did you come in, in contact with some guy who had a knife or something? What happened with that? So in the, in the process of trying to clear out some of these rooms in this hallway, um, I ended up finding a, a girlfriend of ours that was with our group. And, um, and I was able to get her on, on an ambulance, so even though she didn't want to go. But I got her on an ambulance because she had been grazed in the left knee. And right after that had happened, we heard that there was a, a gentleman at the end of the hallway, somebody with a knife. And so right away, you turn and you run, and you're sprinting down this 100-yard hallway that goes underneath the casino, and you're approaching this big old dude, and he's got a, a big 9-inch knife in his right hand, and you're coming up on him, and all I said was, are you a good guy or are you a bad guy? And he looked at me, and he goes, I'm a good guy, I'm a good guy. And I was getting ready to grab his hand and hit him and hope to God that the guys running behind me were going to be able to do something too. Mm. But you know, that was it. And so you tell him, hey, listen, you got to put your knife away, pal. You're scaring the heck out of everybody. But everybody in there, the, the, the heightened sense of, of protectiveness, of scared and terror, and everybody dealt with it differently. Um, I, I come across a lot of people that are, are you know, across the globe, but some people that were there and they were like, hey, listen, I, I – I was a uh, off-duty police officer, and I ran to my hotel room. I can't believe that you turned around and went back in as many times as you can. Yeah. And they felt bad, but you know, that's not my place to judge. And yeah. when you're there and you got your loved ones there, all you're trying to do is just trying to get out. Yep. Speaking of your loved um, ones, how long from the time that you sent your wife, her sister, and your brother-in-law away did you then reunite with them? What was that time frame in between? Uh, well, the shooting started at, I think, like, let's say, 10, 10.05 or something or whatever it was. Um, I got Kathy and Joe and Heather out within three minutes. Um, I'd say from 10.08 to 10.10 when I said, you know, goodbye, whatever it was, um, I didn't see them again until, uh, what, 6 o'clock in the morning. What? No way. Yeah. Zero communication. Yeah. So when you did reunite, did, you know, was your wife a nervous wreck? Was she possibly afraid that maybe you got killed in all of that? Yeah. So, um, so throughout the, the night of me running back and forth, like my phone kept going off, you know, and, and I would, I would check it when I would come out and like my dad was calling. And so, you know, my brother-in-law actually called me and, uh, and said, Hey, we're safe. And I said, I'm safe. And I hung up on him and I said, send, you know, and then the next time I said, send me your GPS location. And, uh, you know, he would send it. And so I knew that they were safe because they told me they were. And at some point in that night, apparently, and I don't remember this, but I was on the phone with my wife during the time at Tropicana when the officer said there's a shooter up on the roof and we need to get in. And my wife was screaming at me on the other end of the line saying, you need to get your butt inside. And I'm telling her, no, baby, I can't. I have to get everybody inside first. <laughs> and um, and I, I don't remember that, but at, uh, she knew, she knew, you know, I kept trying to like send text messages saying I was safe. I had a friend that was in the secret service and a friend that was in the FBI and another friend that was a first responder with LAPD Metro. And so these three guys were kind of my connection to the outside world as far as trying to get legitimate reports on what was going on. And at one point it was about four thirty in the morning. Um, one of those, one of those, those friends of mine said one shooter, they got the girlfriend, uh, all is clear. 
uh, you can relax. Mm, nice. And at that at that point, um, that's when I knew, okay, I, you know, we're, we're okay. Yeah, right. um, and I I just dropped to my knees. Um, yeah, it was crazy. So they got back to the ho- they were back at the hotel, right? Your wife and and everybody was back at the hotel uh, at that no. time. No, no. So at, when when uh, when they took off running, they they ran northeast, and they were we were actually about fifty yards apart from each other at the end of the night. To be honest, they ended up there was a, a town share place called the Desert Rose uh, Resort, mm. and uh, they were hiding between two cars. And a gentleman came out of a town share, and he allowed tw- you know he had about twenty twenty five people that he let into his town share with him and his four friends. And there was about 30 of them all barricaded inside. And I'd love to meet the guy and shake his hand and say, thank you. Cause he's a true hero to me mm-hmm. to step out of into that and, uh, and take all those people in. And, you know, he protected my wife and my brother-in-law too is a, a hero to, of mine. Cause he kept his feet moving forward and he did what he needed to do to, to, to save uh, his wife and my wife and, you know, his sister and, and uh, keep everybody safe. Yeah. And, there was a there was a lot of heroism going on that night amongst a, a lot of a lot of poor, sad, you know, innocent people that uh, that uh, were injured or, or killed. Yeah, Very tragic. You, you stepped up and you know, you did what you thought you had to do, and and you helped a lot of people, and you know, you uh, you, you took a big risk, but you know, you did what you had to do, and you know, we're just happy and, and glad that you know you're okay and. Mm. You know, I'm I'm a you know honored obviously to call you my friend and and to know you know the type of person that you are. It it didn't surprise me when I heard what you did because I said you know I I've known Todd for a while now and and uh, even though we're not you know seeing each other all the time, I just got to know Todd pretty well and he's just a stand up guy and and he's the kind of guy that would do something like that. So you know I I, I say thank it. you thank you again for what you did and. I'm sure lots of people who don't know you, but you did help that night, would love the opportunity to thank you, and maybe someday you'll have the opportunity to to meet some of them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we there's a there's been an amazing support group, um, not only you know with friends like yourself, but um, you know a lot of the the Route 91 survivors, the people that got out, um, that have all been kind of together, and it's just, it's created this bond almost you know, like a family. Um, everybody understands exactly how we felt in that given moment. And, um, you know, my, my whole thought was, you know, as I was running back in, I think it was the second or third time was I, I just couldn't imagine the people that were not there that could not protect their loved ones, the moms, the dads, the brothers, the sisters, the people that are hearing this news and saying, you know, just feeling helpless. And, um, and I, I just had to continue to keep moving forward for them. That's, you know, that was my main purpose is I just had to keep, keep pushing forward to try to get people out because other people can't do that. And, um, and I would hope and pray to God that if, if I hope it never happens again, um, but if it ever did to me or my family and I was one of those injured down that, or my wife or, or someone else, that someone would, would, would be brought, would be brave enough to go back in and, you know, and then uh, unfortunately, then you hear about the New York incident, yeah. and you hear about the Texas shooting, and then the California shooting, and um, it's just kind of you know you can identify with that terror that those people go through uh, at that given moment, and your heart just goes out to them. But um, but in that there's 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 people that responded, yeah. and there's more there's more good people in this world than there are bad. And I think we just have to keep keep believing in that and keep 
loving each other and, and, you know, really just try to believe in the good and, and put all this other stuff behind us and, and uh, agree to disagree with things, but, um, but just, you know, just treat people how you want to be treated, yep. you know, and, and, and be there for people when they need you. The golden that's, rule. That's right? all. The golden rule. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. true. So true. That was an amazing, yep. amazing story. Yeah. Todd, I got to imagine, because most, most of the time when me and Joey and, and Alex, when we do this show, this show is, you know, it's, it's funny, right? We, 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 we poke holes in things. We, we laugh. Uh, we make fun of one another. And so this is, you know, this is somewhat of a heavy show, but it's also necessary to talk about these things. I got to imagine that every, uh, every person out there right now listening is probably parked in their car late to work because they don't want to they don't want to stop listening mm. you know what i mean this was just incredibly intriguing oh. i just want to say thank you because i'm sure like you said in the beginning this isn't easy to talk about so thank you so much man for taking your time to uh to tell everybody about what happened man yeah. thank you yeah and then i really do appreciate it as well and uh you're gonna have to meet ronnie and alex someday todd maybe yeah. we uh take a trip now you're down in texas now so we'll have to take a trip down there right around what fort worth Dallas, where are you at? Uh, yeah, we're yeah we're in the North Dallas area, and yeah. uh, you know I, I, New York is one of my favorite places to go. My wife is uh, full blood Italian, so oh, hey, uh, you're right. Yeah, I know. You better watch it. Yeah, yeah so I, like I better it. watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better um, sleep with well, my You open. you got to you got to turn around to the Jersey Boys show now. She's got to hopefully she's going to listen to this podcast, and then all of you are going to continue to listen to the yeah. Jersey Boy podcast. See, this is why. This is why. Now it's all coming right. together. This is why Todd, mm-hmm. he had the bravery he did. He's married to an Italian, full-blooded Italian woman. You think Bullet scared this guy? No way. <laughs> no way. Come on. Forget about yeah. it. Yeah, forget about it. That's, That's right. Funny. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what. what when are you going to come out this way? You got to come out. When you do come out, we'll, we'll definitely go out for dinner or something like that. But when do you have any future plans, anything coming up? Nothing coming up. Nothing coming up. No, I know we went out there. Uh, I think around springtime a couple of years back, and uh, we like to do that again. So, um, yeah, you never know. But uh, I'll definitely look you guys up, and I'll let you know before we come out for sure. And yeah. Todd, Todd, what are you doing uh, with yourself now? So you were in scouting, and I read that you had opened up a uh, a facility. So you opened up a baseball academy. Are you still doing that, or? Yep. Uh, so I did that for a couple of years, and then I got asked to get into the corporate world of sports, um, into uh, working for a couple of companies um, representing their brands, like in partnerships and athletes, and uh, very similar to what I was doing in baseball operations with contracts and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. So I'm basically in sports marketing, and uh, it's a good job, and you know, it gets me home at night. I get a chance to. I got a 14 year old son that's a extremely, you know, very well gifted athlete uh, oh, nice. in the baseball world and um, so it's been fun to watch him and he's a catcher and he plays third base huh. and uh, he's a switch switch hitter and oh, he's hitting the ball about 390 right now at 14 oh, and um, from from both sides and he's yeah, he's way better than I ever was and, and uh, so no pressure on him to play or anything but we try to keep it fun and um, so it's been it's been a fun journey being a I love being a dad and a husband and yeah. I got an 11 year old daughter that loves to dance and and uh, so you know, just try to be there for them and uh, this job allows me to do that. So, That's yeah. awesome. That's well, a always, blessing, uh, man. I always yeah. enjoy seeing all the pictures on Facebook and uh, you definitely yeah. are having a, a good time and, and you're a great dad, great husband, I'm trying and, to and a, and a great friend as well. So Todd, thank you again it. for coming on the show, man. We look forward to meeting you, buddy. 
All right, Jersey boys. Yeah, have a cannoli for me. Would you? <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> we'll do it. Thank you. Brother. All right, Todd. All right, Thanks, ciao. brother. Ciao, buddy. Ciao. All right. Ciao. All right. Bye. Bye. Wow. Tell you what, that was unbelievable, right? Blown away, dude. I told you. I mean, when I when I spoke to him about, I guess, two weeks ago. Yeah. I said. Todd, you got to come on the Jersey Boy podcast, and you got to you know you got to tell the story. You know, and it's so funny because when me and you talked about that, I said to you, obviously the story is going to be you know intriguing, and a lot of people are going to want to or or would be interested in hearing it. But we're the Jersey Boys, you know what I mean? And that has nothing typically to do with our show. And I was I was nervous. I'm yeah. like, man, what do we get? But you know what? I, it's like you got to put everything aside, and a story like that just has to be told. It's got to be shared, and yeah, you know, I tell you, he's uh, you know proud to call him my friend. You know, he's a good man, and everything I said about him is true. And uh, I'm just I'm I'm so happy that uh, you know he's he's still with us. Thank God and for I, that. Yeah, and man. I know I know God has great plans for him. I'm telling you, no doubt. His story about like feeling like well, he had the it was the dream, yeah, right where it was like the angel in the wings, yeah. Maybe you know, <laughs> maybe there's more than just a dream there. Maybe that was more like a vision. Yeah, you know what I mean, an and that actually happened. Right there. Yeah, man. Yeah. God bless him, man. Yep. What a cool, what a cool story. Yeah. You know, absolutely. what bravery, yeah, man. Absolutely. And then you know, I, I can't wait for them to come out. You know, Todd and his wife to come out, and uh, you know, his, his family, and uh, it will definitely show them a good time in in Jersey and in New York. Absolutely, know? man. Absolutely, bro. So hey, Joe, props to you putting this one together. Might this might take the cake, right? Episode I, I really episode ten one. here might take the cake. Episode ten, what's well, a good number, right? Ten. So Joe, I came up with a great word for next week's. Wow. Why is that? Well, I thought about how this whole show got started. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, it was basically, you know, making fun of me. All no, right. no, Joey. No. All right. Okay. Joey, nobody makes fun. We Ever. Just- what do we do then? We just we just point out the obvious together and just yeah. <laughs> we okay. just point out the obvious. All right, that there's only there's the, only one Joey to rash. That's it. That's it. Well said. Well said. So Joe, what did we say? We said you say serum, and that's what got this whole thing that's started. Right. That's right. So I stand by that. You do. You do. Outside of the, the oh, by the way, I never no, asked have, you. I have several people no, actually no, 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 come no, up no, to no. me and have said that. What yeah. about your brother and your sister? Do they, they say serum? Absolutely. So that's what it is. I, you know what I think? I think there was a gas leak on Olympia <laughs> in, in Clifton. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That's and okay. that's it. So all you guys were infected. The whole and, block. And then, the whole block. But does the whole block say Absolutely. serum? Absolutely. All right. All right. Yeah. Then that's what Come it on. is. Then it was it was an external leak, not an internal that's leak. That section of Clifton, baby. Yeah, baby. Clifton, baby. <laughs> I love it. So, hey, Joe. So that's what I did. So for next week's wow, we're going to go with this word. E-N-V-E-L-O-P-E. All right? So next week, I want to hear how you say it. I want to hear everybody else says it. I want to hear how the producer says it. That's next week's wow. That wraps up episode 10, Joe. I believe it, 10. Do we have a cake tonight for episode 10? 12. Oh, 12 we have a cake? Oh, 12, 12 we're going to have a cake. Yeah, it sounds good. I like it. Yeah. Right. We're going to work wow. the party. I'm looking yeah. forward Or maybe to that. we'll do that at Tommy's Taste That's Early. Right. I'll put a candle inside of the chicken Beautiful. cutlet. Never mind the cake. Yeah. <laughs> right. Episode 10. That's it, everybody. I'm Ronnie A. And I'm Joey the Rash. I'm out. Ciao. <laughs>